It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And anytime you guys want to be part of this show and you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775. We begin our Ultimate Crossover Series today. All week, we are going to be looking at the NFC North, the Lions, the Bears, the Vikings, and of course, the Packers. And we're going to be finishing up that conversation with a look at the NFC North as a whole and what to expect for 2020 and beyond. We start today with the Detroit Lions, the last place finisher in the NFC North from last season, where they're going to go, how they're going to match up with the Packers. And and all of this is going to be taken through the lens of an NFC North opponent. So Matt Derry from Locked on Lions is leading the conversation, but Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings, Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears, and of course, yours truly, are a part of this conversation to try and dig into what the Lions are going to be doing this offseason, how they're going to approach trying to get better. Do they move on from Matthew Stafford? What do they do in the draft? They are sitting in a unique position with the number three overall pick in a draft that has two, maybe three top-tier quarterbacks, and could the Dolphins try to move up and, and get into that spot? Where could teams be maneuvering to get to with the Lions, or could the Lions stamp pat and take Tua? That is on the table at this point. So those are discussions we're going to have today a little bit later on the show. I want to start because it is still Monday, even though we're doing the ultimate crossover and we're going to get to all of that in a little bit. I want to talk about Mock Draft Monday, and I want to do it through the lens of the latest Mock Draft on the Draft Network, friend of the show, Jordan Reed. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at jreednfl. He's been on this program before. Uh, He put together a two-round mock draft, and I think it is something that we have to talk about. The structure of the draft is something that I want to talk about before we get into this discussion on the NFC North. It is mock draft season, and that creates a lot of fun for fans because they get to think about and pine after and fantasize about all of the different possibilities for the team in the NFL draft. 
And there are players that everyone is going to fall in love with if you follow this stuff. There's a receiver or a linebacker or a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, maybe even a quarterback that you are going to pine after this offseason. And that's great. It's great. It doesn't mean that the Packers are going to draft that player, and I hope that it does not add to your disappointment when and if that happens. But I, I think it's worth discussing here the structure that is likely to take place from the Packers with this draft. And a good lens through which we can view that is Jordan Reed's mock draft on the Draft Network. His two-round projection, and this is very early. We're talking about pre-combine. We're talking about pre-free agency. So, so much yet to be determined when it comes to the draft process, when it comes to team building, the Packers could be in a very different position a month from now because of the combine, because of free agency, because of pre-free agency, because of players being cap casualties, etc. But what Jordan's draft puts together is something that I think Packer fans need to consider. And it is important for this reason— Jordan has Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma, in the first round. And I have been on record saying that I believe linebacker, if the Packers do not uh, view Blake Martinez as the solution, if they're not going to sign him, which I believe they will not do, I believe they will move on from him. And it seems like all of the signs are pointing to that. He's going to get paid way more than Green Bay is likely to be comfortable paying him to be their starting inside linebacker, given his deficiencies. Okay, so they're going to move on there. So then what do you do? Well, there are really only two, maybe three players who are first-round pedigree-type players. Isaiah Simmons, assuming you believe he's a linebacker, I think he might be better suited as a safety, but he is an all-purpose overhang defender from Clemson. Then you have Pratchett Queen and Kenneth Murray. Depending on your tastes, you may have them 1-2 or 2-1 or 1-A, 1-B, whatever it is. They're the only players who I think are in consideration for first-round grades. And if I were the Packers and, and one of them were there at 30, it is a solution that you have to consider if you're the Packers. In a deep draft, though, for receivers, how are they going to handle that depth? You go back to 2014, they waited on Devontae Adams, and they got one of the best receivers in that draft in the late second round, despite the fact that they were picking in the end of that second round, and it was a deep draft. And for a little while, it looked like they didn't get a quality player. Devontae Adams had promise as a rookie, did not show out in his second year the way that you would hope a player to do in his second year with a year two leap that we often see. But go back and look at where Green Bay, this front office, has valued receivers. It has been in that second round. In the Ted Thompson era, they did not take a first-round receiver. In 2005, they took Terrence Murphy in the second round, the 58th pick. Greg Jennings, the next season, the 52nd pick. James Jones in the third round. They took Jordy Nelson as their first pick but he was the 36th overall player. If you're going to make a case that Green Bay could take a first-round receiver and that they have done it in the past, he is the player you would use. He was the 36th pick. They traded out of the first round to get him, but that was a weak 
receiver draft. And even in that scenario, they decided the prudent decision was to trade down. In 2011, they took Randall Cobb at 64. And they don't take a receiver highly again until Devontae Adams, the 53rd pick in the 2014 draft. Ty Montgomery in 2015 was a third-round pick. And Jamal Moore was a fourth-round pick in 2018. Brian Gutekinds has not taken a receiver in his first two drafts as Packer GM before the fourth round. Now, part of that is personnel, and part of that is the team has had other needs. But it also speaks to this team's ability to find players later in the draft who can contribute right away. So when you see these mocks and you see that someone that is not a receiver is going in the first round for the Packers, it is not worth freaking out about because history says this would be normal. Now, is that enough to project forward and say, oh, well, they're not going to take a first round receiver. They're just not going to do it. No, it's not enough for that because they might, because a player they love might be there at 30 and a player they love might be there at 24 and they might say, okay, if we want this guy, we have to move up to get him. And if it's a player that they think can be a legitimate number one receiver or 1B receiver to Devontae Adams, then maybe they feel like they have to do that. They felt last year they had to move up to get Darnell Savage, that he was significantly better than the other players at the position, and they needed to upgrade that position desperately. They were right about that, and they were they were right that Darnell Savage was a quality player. Now, was was it the case that he was so much better than everyone else that they needed to trade up? I don't know. It's too early to say those kinds of things. But if if they are in that position, Brian Gutekinds has already shown a willingness to say, this player can help us right now, so I'm going to go get him. Do these two ideals, the fact that the Packers have never taken a first-round pick and Brian Gutekinds Uh, his willingness to move up. Do those stand in contradistinction? I don't think they do. It's all going to depend on who is available and the, the way that the Packers feel about them when those players are available. I continue to believe that if one of those top linebackers is there, he will be the, the Packers pick Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, Isaiah Simmons probably not going to fall. And and I will add, someone that I have seen and, and finally watched, I've started to watch these linebackers, I am a huge fan of Akeem Davis-Gaither, not at 30 necessarily, but if the Packers trade down, they add picks, and maybe at the top of the second they trade down to 32-34, they get one of those receivers, someone like Brandon Ayuk is there from Arizona State, And maybe you trade up and get someone like Akeem Davis-Gaither to add some speed and playmaking to your overhang defense. That could be a, a scenario worth considering. But history tells us not to expect a first round receiver. Again, this is all situational and we have to understand that it is going to be relative to the players who are available when the Packers pick. They always say they want to get the best player But really for the Packers, that means the best player relative to their needs and the opportunities that are going to be presented to that player in the next one year, two year, three years as they look forward, not just for the 2020 season in this case, but 2021, 2022, 
and beyond. And if you're not able to take advantage of the opportunities presented to you, BlueChew.com can help. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No waiting in line at the pharmacy, so no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than going to a pharmacy. And best of all, as I said, no more awkwardness right now. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Locked On. Just pay for shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one to punch to keep your one to punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. Our day one of the Ultimate Division crossover here, locked on Lions, Packers, Vikings, and Bears, NFC North. Matt Derry locked on Lions. Day one, we're talking about Detroit. Uh, Let's start with you, Peter, up in Green Bay. Thoughts on the Lions and and where this thing is going in your mind for for, for this coming season? And and really, look, the Lions are a complete mess. And, And now, sitting at three with the draft, there's people in Detroit ready to, to move on from Stafford and hope they take Tua. This is going to be a very strange offseason for the Lions. Who knows what direction they're going in. But, what, Pete, what do you see for, for Detroit in terms of people in Green Bay? Well, considering the Lions played the Packers the toughest of any of the division opponents, I, I think the, the Packer fans would love for the Lions to say, you know what, let's hit reset. Let's figure out how to move on from Matthew Stafford and take Tua or whoever at three. I actually think the the prudent play for them overall is to do that. But I will say I think the scariest thing for the Packers would be if the Lions take someone like Jeff Okuda from Ohio State, who is, I think, a stud cornerback, pair him with Darius Slay, and they all of a sudden have the 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 defensive players who can match up with Green Bay. That would be scary from from my perspective. Where do you fall on this quarterback versus, you know, try and make this thing work that you think they're a mess? Well, I, I mean, I just think that there's so many people in Detroit that want them to move on from Stafford, start fresh, 
maybe trade him to New England, then then maybe make a trade with Miami and let them take Tua. Maybe you take Tua and see who the highest bidder is. I mean, if, if they were to trade Stafford, of course they're taking Tua. But you know, there, there's there's a belief in Detroit that it's time to move on from Stafford. Yet there's no way that's going to happen. I mean, you you guys know uh, the ownership in Detroit loves him, and I don't think he's going anywhere at least uh, at least for this year. And I know Lauren, you go through this in Chicago all the time talking about Trubisky. But think about it, <laughs> Stafford's really good. He's been there 11 years, so I, I think one more at least is going to happen. Doesn't the money make it hard too? Isn't there a guaranteed money problem if they trade him? Yeah, the cap number moved up to 32. It would be a $32 million hit on the cap for this season if that were to take place, where it would be pretty much dead cap. But again, the Lions didn't spend all their money last year. so. Well, it's funny how Peter mentioned the Lions were the one team that gave the Packers trouble in the division this year, and yet it, the Lions were the one team Mitchell Trubisky played well against last year. That Those two Lions performances bought him a lot of support from the fan base, feeling like there's the example of his untapped potential. See what he did against that Detroit Lions defense. I know the Lions made some changes on the coaching staff. I believe their defensive coordinator retired slash left the team maybe how much of that was his decision you know a little bit uh hidden that way but what are you sort of expecting defensively Matt this offseason is it going to require a full sort of complete makeover or can they just sort of try and change a few pieces here and there to try and do a little better against Mitchell Trubisky next year I mean it better be a full makeover I to me if they take Okuda at three but then they trade Slay you're basically just trading places. To me, if you're going to draft Okuda at three, if he's there and, and Bob Quinn and the Lions, who have always been sort of hesitant to pull the trigger on a big move, if they don't trade back and they take Okuda, they get you got to pair him with Darius Slay. Then you'd have Slay, Okuda, Justin Coleman in the slot, and a very good up-and-coming safety in Tracy Walker, and I think your secondary would be much better. Uh, but the Lions' issue is not just the secondary in the opposite corner of Slay, that the pass rush is terrible. Trey Flowers must be better at $18 million a year. They'll get a healthy Deshaun hand back. I think the linebackers are brutal. They think the linebackers, and Bob Quinn said this in an interview with NFL Network at the Senior Bowl, he thinks the linebackers are the cornerstone of the defense with Jared Davis, Christian Jones, and Jelani Tavai. And I don't think Jones is very good. I think Davis has been a disappointment. Tavai's an up-and-comer, second-round pick, but he's not perfect by any stretch. So I think they think the defense is better than it is. I think they're kind of placing some of the blame on Paul Pasqualoni, who's no longer the defensive coordinator. Enter Corey Unlin now, a buddy of Patricia's, uh, going way back to the Patriots' days. I know that's a surprise. And uh, he was just a secondary coach in Philly. We'll see. I mean, they don't they don't have the identity, and Luke Braun can chime in on this, they don't have the identity that like, the Vikings have. And Luke talks Vikings every day. That That's a real defense right there. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't part of this a, a Matt Patricia problem? Because it does sound right. like, I mean, Darius Slay is good. Justin Coleman had a great year. Tracy Walker's up and coming. Like, this isn't a, a world where you're dealing with a roster like the Dolphins. And I, I've never been a huge Matt Patricia believer, and it feels like doubling down on his philosophy and his idea of all these three-man rushes and asking these guys to cover for forever kind of sunk the Lions in a lot of close game situations. So isn't like and, – and the hallmark of a team that loses all its close games and goes 3-13 and 13 and you know a couple different bounces very easily could have won seven, eight games, that feels like a coaching issue to me. So, I mean, do all the roster overhaul, overhauls you want, but isn't there some sort of buck that has to stop with Matt Patricia instead of the – sacrificial lamb defensive coordinator firing no, I, I agree I I don't, I don't think he should still be coaching um, I, he's you know 
you fired Jim Caldwell because nine and seven wasn't good enough, and now you're nine twenty and one in two years, nine twenty one and one in two years uh, under Patricia. It's 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 pathetic and and, and unacceptable, uh, especially when you have Stafford in his golden years, uh, an up and coming Kenny Galladay, who did make the Pro Bowl as an alternate that ended up playing in the game, an improved offensive line. You think you got a running back and carry on Johnson, but any time, especially before Stafford got hurt, and then you kind of throw the records out after. But again, that's on Quinn not getting a good backup quarterback in but uh yeah the scheme that looks right the, the defensive scheme was was atrocious the rushing of three you know uh, luke saw it twice i mean kirk cousins destroyed them in, in two games the, the rogers come back on the monday night game when the lions decided to stop rushing the passer uh that that cost them and that's that's coaching and that's scheme but they seem to want to put these puzzle pieces in defensively that fit the scheme and to me you know, if they trade back and Okuda's there, or Isaiah Simmons is there, but they end up taking like a Jerry Judy or, or, or do what they did last year with a tight end at eight that turned out to suck, then, then you scratch your head. You really do. Well, Matt, Pack, I, Packer I, fans are going to love hearing you say that about TJ Hawkinson, who, who so many of them absolutely wanted. Matt, I'm wondering if, from my perspective, I, I like the Lions roster, I think even more than you do. I'm wondering if you see a pathway this offseason with one or two big moves or specific moves that can get them back into the mix to be maybe a wild card contender where they can make a quick turnaround. Because with Matthew Stafford healthy, Stafford was awesome last year. It seems like if you have good quarterback play, that should be enough to get you nine-ish wins. I mean, the only issue is, and this is the NFC North kind of division crossover, ultimate crossover, the division's good. I mean, yeah. The Bears were at a bad season, and they're calling for heads, and Trubisky sucks. Oh, by the way, they won eight games. I mean, it's not like <laughs> they were so horrible. Minnesota and Green Bay are really good, and that's that's an issue for the Lions. But in year five of your general manager and year three of your coach, you should be knocking on the door of the playoffs. What I find interesting is Martha Ford's comments after the season in, a, in a, sort of a, uh, a, a beat writer's only uh, media session in, in Rod Wood, the president's office, where she said, we, we expect them uh, to be playing. We expect our team to be playing meaningful games in December and being in contention. That, that's a wide, that's, that's casting a pretty wide net on this whole thing. So I don't know what that means, but I think in this division, it's going to be difficult. But yeah, there's some players on this roster and uh, you hope, look, I, I think they're going to spend a lot of money. I think they're going to make an early big splash in free agency. I think a guy like Shaq Barrett, a pass rusher will, will come in. I don't know if that's the, the, the definite guy, but I think somebody like that. You're definitely going to sign a, another cornerback. They could draft a cornerback, maybe another safety. But they do need help uh, on defense, I think, on that second level, big time with the linebackers, but they don't seem to think so unless that was just a, a smokescreen. So, all right, that's our look at the, the Detroit Lions. Uh, fellas, more tomorrow right here on the Ultimate Crossover. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen. He's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play. Yeah. I just want to throw a couple nuggets out on Allen, and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger, but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3. What's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted, and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws. 
but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that was part one of our Ultimate Crossover series, and we've got a lot more to come this week. And it's not just going to be those conversations this week. We're still going to talk about news and other stuff going on with the Packers as it comes up. But every day this week, we're going to talk about a different team, the Vikings, the Bears still to come, the Packers, of course, coming on Thursday, and our discussion on Friday coming on the whole NFC North, which I kind of lead. And we, we get to talk about a lot of different things, the best quarterbacks in the division, the best coaches in the division. And I think it's an interesting way to get some perspective from people outside of the Packers sphere who are the, the, the players and the coaches and the ideas that people around the NFL are watching as it relates to the Packers, as it relates to the rest of the NFC North. And those are the teams and the players who are most impactful to the Packers season because they're going to play them twice. You're going to play the Bears twice. You're going to play the Lions twice. You're going to play the Vikings twice. So you have to be as up-to-date as you can be on those teams because that's six games. And the Packers were able to win all six of those games last year. It was a huge reason they were able to go 13-3. and They were a blown pitch away from potentially losing that Bears game. The second one, they were a pick away from losing the first game. They were a, a, a couple of blown calls in the Lions game away from losing that first Lions game. They were a, a huge second-half comeback away in the second Lions game away from losing that one. So these are games and teams that you have to be up on as a Packers fan because they have enormous impact on what's going on for this team in the 2020 season. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Check us out at the work that we do at Acme Packing Company, the work that we do at Packer Report. Sign up if you're not a VIP there. Highly recommend the work that's done. Andy Herman, Ross Uglum, Jacob Westendorf, Jacob Moore. I mean, this is a, a, a A-plus cast of thousands, the work that they do. I I regret listing them because now I feel like I've left out half the team and, and I feel bad about that. Dusty Evely, all of the guys that make Zach Jacobson, all of the guys that make that uh, a worthwhile site, uh, they, they put in a lot of work and it is, it really, if you pay for it, it's the only thing you need when it comes to Packer news, Packers analysis. It's all there for you, and along with Locked on Packers, obviously. And Gilbert Brown, come on now. Ross and Gilbert on the Packers podcast at Packer Report. So check that out. Follow them on Twitter. All that good stuff. And uh, anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.